first question for Roy Smalley, who's been hitting or studying hitting his entire life. Is Byron Buxton the most bizarre batter you've ever watched? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I understand the question. Um, and, you know, I guess bizarre would be one word. I don't know what word uh, to use, but uh, I, will, uh, I, I will just say this. I was playing golf with a guy one time uh, in a bit younger days, and he was a real good player. And I'm not, I wasn't a great player, but I hit the ball a long ways. And I also occasionally would, uh, you know, hit the ball a long ways, a bit sideways. And, you know, I'd, I'd play holes from uh, approach shots that nobody had ever seen before. <laughs> um, and we were playing, and he's, he's striping it down the middle about, you know, 280 or, you know, 300. And, I, and I'm hitting it out there, you know, with him, you know, it, it, three you know 280 to 300 and but i i finally hit another one pretty sideways and we were standing on the tee and he, he saw the ball land way at way sideways and he looked at me and he said you're exciting <laughs> <laughs> so that's what i would say about byron i i mean byron's exciting you know you just never know when he looks horrible and like Okay, you've got to completely change things, and this will never work. To, oh my God, who hits two four hundred and sixty-five foot shots in a row? Um, incredible! It just, just incredible. It, it is. It, it's stunning. And and then you add in the fact that he's the best defensive center fielder in baseball, but he's not playing center field. Uh, they don't want him in the outfield, and yet he's running the bases faster than anybody else and sliding and everything else. Uh, and yeah, I just. He is such a great example of, to me, as an outsider, the most important factor in hitting at the major league level. And that is, you swing at the right pitch, you got a chance. You swing at the wrong pitch, you got no chance. But when Byron <laughs> swings out of the strike zone, when he chases up, when he swings the pitches in the dirt, he looks helpless. When he waits for a pitch in the strike zone, he looks like a superstar. Yeah, and, you know, it's one of the one of the issues that I have with – you know, current hitters, and I'm not just talking about twins hitters, but that's <clears throat> that's who I see the most. Uh, and every uh, almost every team has a multitude of hitters that <clears throat> are it, do that my it, that engage in my pet peeve all the time. You see, some guys, some teams like the Red Sox that we just saw, um, like the Washington Nationals that don't do this. They don't expand the zone they 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 do get a good ball to hit you know all of those kinds of things but uh, hitters so much today and in my view the reason that the twins are struggling at the plate more than they than they than they should and then their talent would indicate is for that precise reason that you know they're they've gotten away from you know the two most important maxims that Ted Williams had. One was, I'm going to get a good ball to hit or I'm not swinging. And two, if I'm fooled, I'm not swinging, right? So so what we're seeing from hitters now is guys so intent on pulling the ball a long ways, you know, hitting the ball, you know, a long ways to the pull field that they're sped up. And when you speed up and, and trying to pull the ball, you'll swing it balls, you know, 
uh, above the strike zone, and you'll swing at balls in the dirt. And then you'll get confused, and, and the third thing happens that I, I can't stand. And it, 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 you'll get two strikes, and you'll take a fastball down the middle and walk back to the plate and, and walk back to the bench. All of those things are happening a lot, and uh, it happens a lot with um, – you know, with Byron, I think there's there. It's not just that when he waits for a good pitch, Byron's swinging, and if they happen to throw him, a, you know, a ball in the strike zone, uh, it's got a chance to go 450 or 60 or 70 feet. You know, if they don't throw him a ball in the strike zone, uh, he's he's not going to hit it, generally speaking, or he's going to swing and miss it, and and so it's. And a lot of hitters are are like that. I think, I think Buck's a little bit more because he's he's streaky because of the because of the way the, his approach, the mechanics of his particular swing. But you know that's the you know the double edged sword. The mechanics of his swing result in a lot of strikeouts and a lot of oh my gosh, did you just see what did you see what he just did? Just stunning. Uh, I wrote about it in the Friday Star Tribune. One of the most tumultuous homestands in recent memory. Let's get into it here. He's Roy Smalley, former Twins star, now Twins broadcaster. I'm Jim Suhan from Star Tribune. Our third partner is Lavelle Emil III. He may or may not be joining us depending on his schedule today. Our producer is Brandon Morton. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at talknorth.com. If you like it, subscribe to the show. Uh, It's the easiest way to listen. It's free. Any shows you like at talknorth.com. Our many hockey shows, Jeff Diamond, uh, Vike, Viking Update, John Millay, uh, if, if you like uh, John Krasinski, uh, if you like a show, subscribe to it. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. Uh, you can always go to talkwork.com, find all of our shows, all of our archives. Uh, we're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services Studio. Also, I want to thank our other sponsors, All Energy Solar and First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. Uh, so, Roy, one thing I love about baseball is it does confound you. It confounds simple thoughts. It can found simple uh, expectations. You could have said after they won the second game against the Brewers, okay, they fixed themselves. They're on a hot streak. They're playing great. You could have said, you know, as of late Tuesday night, this team has fallen completely apart. It's they're in shambles. They're arguing with each other. They have players going the mental health list. They're, you know, key players aren't producing. And then 20 hours later, you could say, oh, they've righted themselves. They figured it all out. It, it, it's, one of the things I love about baseball is it's so it really is hard to predict on a day by day, week by week basis. It is, and and the thing that uh, I, I think should be I mean, what, what that brings to mind is the 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 maxim from Tom Kelly. I mean, you know, stay, we have to stay on even even keel. Don't get too high. Don't get too low. And from a fan standpoint. Um, it, it watching it's it's the same thing because the guys are guys at this level on the twins are talented and you know everybody's got uh, you know negatives here and there at the plate or on the mound or whatever yeah. it, per, human performance is you know a bit of a roller coaster and but the guys are out there you know busting it every, every day and some days it's going to look really ugly and and some days it's it, it's going to it's going to be really good. The, the good teams shorten up those, you know, short, they narrow up the sine wave, if you will. You know, they, they shorten up the, the street downstream uh, a bit uh, with, you know, more consistency. And that, that really has been, 
you know, the Twins uh, issue to this point is just lack of consistency at the plate and, and on, on the mound out of the bullpen, frankly. But it, it doesn't mean that, you know, they, they look ugly for two days. They're not going to look really good for two or three. And, and um, that, that's just the way baseball is. That's the way this team will be until they, you know, until they get things sorted out in terms of the lineup that they, sh- they should have when everybody's healthy and, uh, and then the performance uh, of the bullpen, frankly, which has been a bit of a surprise. They, the, the bullpen has not been the lockdown bullpen that I thought it would be. And, and as it turns out, the way the injuries and, and have hit the lineup and the way guys are not you know, swinging the bat up to what they will at some point in time, it has been really dependent on you know, the bullpen. If the bullpen has been, had been lights out, you know, for the for the you know these last six eight weeks, then the lack of run production you know would would not have kept them from winning a lot of games. But you had a combination of the guys just aren't scoring enough runs. I mean, you got to score four runs or more more often than they do. <clears throat> the combination of that and and the bullpen not being you know absolutely the lockdown uh, that bullpen that I thought there'd be that's contributed to uh, inconsistency right now. So Jorge Lopez goes on the mental health injured list. Uh, who do you, in your mind, would you feel most comfortable seeing pitch the eighth inning of close games right now? Well, I mean, I, I, I love Stewart's stuff. Yeah. Uh, and it's, um, I think right now, I mean, he's still somewhat untested uh, in, in uh, high leverage roles day in, day out. But I, I think at this point with Jorge Lopez not available, I, I, I would be, I'd be leaning on him uh, heavily and just hoping that, you know, from a psychological, you know, standpoint, um, uh, he can handle it because uh, boy, that stuff plays. I, and uh, I, I think that he would be the one guy. It doesn't mean that he's going to get everybody out um, or, you know, the good hitters can't get some hits every once in a while in big situations. But I, I got to believe that after Duran, uh, Stewart is the guy that are opposing that opposing hitters would least likely to to see going up there in the eighth. Uh, let's get into Joe Ryan more on the bullpen. Sonny Gray, the Sonny Gray Rocco imbroglio, if I'm using that word correctly. Royce Lewis. Uh, we want to um, remember George Frazier. Talk about the division race here a little bit. I do want to let you know. We're coming to you from the Aquarius Home Services studio. Here's more on Aquarius Home Services. At Aquarius Home Services, we know when temps go up, the last thing you want is your air conditioner down and out. From tune-ups and repairs to installing a new air conditioner, we got you covered. We're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com. All energy solar panel installations are done right and made easy thanks to more than 14 years of experience in Minnesota and beyond. Visit allenergysolar.com slash coach for your free solar evaluation. All Energy Solar is ready to take on any solar project from design to installation and everything in between. More about going solar at allenergysolar.com. also want to let you know about First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. First Minnetonka City Bank, where your locally owned community bank. Phone calls are answered by real people instead of a never-ending voicemail system. Dedicated financial representatives who really care about your personal, business, mortgage, and investment objectives. 
First Minnetonka City Bank is an independent community bank that offers the same wealth of products and services as larger banks, yet provides the highest quality customer service that other banks forget. We take the time to develop one-on-one relationships with our customers. The same banker will work with you year after year, providing the long-term understanding necessary to tailor our services to your changing needs. First Minnetonka City Bank. Stop by or call one of our convenient locations to experience the First Minnetonka difference for yourself. What did you make of the Rocco and Sonny Gray uh, argument in the dugout? Well, I really liked it, actually. <laughs> uh, I, I liked, you know, obviously Sonny Gray is a veteran pitcher. He's pitched really well. I'm sure in his mind he's thinking, you know, I deserve, you know, if I say I'm okay and I'm going to write the ship here, I, I, I'm, I deserve to go back out there. And uh, Rocco was looking at how um, – off he was in terms of the command of all his pitches and, and, you know, Rocco's trying to win games in a, in a, um, in a streak here for the last six weeks that has not been, not been good. And, and that's the, that's the manager's primary decision uh, right there is to say, okay, how do, how and when do I change pitchers? And, and so I also loved Rocco's, uh, you know, what I saw of, uh, the Rocco's actions in that confrontation because I love Sonny Gray wanting to go out there and thinking that he deserves it. And he doesn't want to talk about it. He's just going to, he's going to be mad and go to the clubhouse. And Rocco kept standing in front of him and going, Nope, you were going to talk this out. And we're, you know, I'm, we're going to, we're going to get this straight right here. I'm not, you're not going to just, you know, walk away from me and, and, and not, um, and, at least acknowledge that I'm the manager and this is, this is the reason for my decision. This is what we're doing. So, you know, all in all, I like the whole damn thing. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and, hey, uh, then a few days later, Joe Ryan goes out there, throws about 110 pitches, and Rocco doesn't even have somebody warm up before the ninth inning. That means he just sees Ryan, you know, the opposite of Sonny. Sonny, hey, competitive guy, uh, having a very good season. But you can see it when he doesn't quite have it. He doesn't. He isn't able to finish finish off hitters. Uh, people are able to get to two strikes and extend the at bats because he's not putting them away. Uh, he loses a little bit of command. You can see him tiring. And when Joe, we saw Joe Ryan out there on Thursday afternoon, uh, Rocco didn't care about the pitch count because you can see that R- Joe was cruising and throwing almost zero stress pitches. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, and stress is the right word. I mean, when. You know, when and you're right about Sonny, when he doesn't have it, he'll pitch five innings of high stress, five yeah. high stress innings. I mean, that's just the way it, it, you've described it perfectly. His command is is not there. And so he's he's behind a little more often and he's not putting away hitters. And, and you know, you, if, if we can see that the managers, the manager sees that and, and that Sonny's either going to be really good or he's going to be uh, he's going to be less than less than uh, the the good Sonny Gray, but he battles through and he, and he can he can keep it relatively close, but it's not good enough for the manager when you know you have this kind of uh, history. I mean, Rocco knows Rocco has seen what he's seen with Joe Ryan it, when he has the command that he has um, that he had the other day. Uh, it's game over. I mean, they had a big lead, uh, and, and there's a lot of things going on in, in Rocco's mind. First of all, he's got great stuff and great command. That leads to the fact he's not going to walk anybody. There's not going to be big innings because he's walked you know two guys and given up a double and then a home run. That's not going to happen. And he throws a whole bunch of strikes, 
So even if they make contact, um, and even some hard contact, there's going to be, with nobody walking in front of the hitter that makes hard contact, there's going to be enough balls hit at a defender. I mean, they're just, it was totally stress-free in Rocco's mind, I think, and, and uh, for good reason. And, I, and the other thing I would say about Joe Ryan's performance is this is a Red Sox team that's been swinging the bat really, really well. Yes. Not yeah, they're hot. Into this twin series. They've been, they, they had been swinging it terrifically. And, and, you know, the twins really need a victory and, and Joe steps up and just dominates them. Pretty amazing performance in the whole context. Uh, no doubt about it. And I, and so often talking to baseball fans, doing radio hits, talking to people around the ballpark, you hear, Oh, this is a big game or this is a big series. And you'll hear it starting in like early May. And I, and those of us who, been around the game a lot and talked to the people who really know what they're talking about a lot. We were like, no, you can't say that a May series is that big. You can't say these things that early in the season. Uh, there's still a long way to go. I do feel with all the stress that was on this team as of late Tuesday night, that these last two victories at the very least cleanse the palate. Uh, but I think also reinstilled some, some confidence and some purpose in this group. Yeah, it, it, it's a great point. <clears throat> yeah. Even the even professional you know players uh, at this level, uh, losing streaks beget more losses, and you know tough losses, and you've lost you know two or three or four in a row, and you can it can be eight in a row pretty quickly um, if you don't uh, keep your head uh, screwed on straight. And and the other, the thing that prevents those, I mean, it, it's not just a blinding glimpse of the obvious that it, you know losing streak. If you win a game, it prevents a losing streak, a long losing streak. Right? Well, that's obviously true because you won instead of lost I, I won in the string of losses but you know to your point uh there are big games psychologically and two you know the, you know coming back and winning two games um it it really eases the tension that happens when you're not playing well and you're losing games and it, it does give you a sense of a renewed sense of confidence and 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 purpose i don't so in that's in that way those games are not, you know, huge must-win games in terms of where they're going to be in the middle of September, but they are pretty big in terms of uh, when are we going to, you know, when are we are we going to be close enough? Are we going to hang around long enough so that at some point in time we're going to get this together? And the Twins really haven't. The first month of the season they had it together. Since then, not so much. And I think they. I think they will. I think there's a big run in there at some point in time, but you can't, you can't get, uh, you can't lose a bunch of games and get down, you know, in, in June so that you don't allow that, you know, that talent ultimately, ultimately to, to come out. Back to Buck. Uh, somebody saw Buxton playing catch in the outfield, asked Rocco if that was a sign that he might be playing center field soon. Rocco basically said no chance. How do you feel about the entire uh, the entirety of the Buxton decision and the delay in getting him to the outfield. I, I just don't feel, I, I don't really understand it. Um, and so when I don't understand something like that, I, I tend to think, okay, I just don't know what's going on. Uh, I don't know what they're thinking. I don't know how Buck's feeling, what Buck wants to do. I, you know, I, I don't know enough. And you, you may know, you know, answers to all, all the questions that I would have, but when you say how do I like it overall, I don't. Yeah, uh, I like Buck playing 
playing center field. I mean, it, if he's not going to play, it was a brilliant move, obviously, to get Michael A. Taylor. Uh, he's done a, a terrific job in center field, as he has, you know, most of you know his whole career. But but it's not, you know, it's not Buck, and it's not um, a, a, an option. It, your options in the outfield, if Buck's not going to play, I mean, Michael A. Taylor can play other positions and and hit against left-handers and, you know, uh, be in a platoon with, you know, Gallo or, you know, Kepler or something like that and and play this great defense at a, at a corner outfield spot. So it, you look at that and say, well, it it narrows down the opportunities and uh, on all fronts. And so in that way, you know, I really don't like it. And, I, and all I'll say is, you know, maybe there's something going, I mean, there must be something going on that I, I don't know about because it, I think at some point in time, I mean, if he's not going to play center field this year, then he's not going to play center field ever. I mean, what, what will this year, what getting through, okay, we've got a whole year of buck. Wasn't that fun? We got a whole year of buck at the plate. Yeah. That that's going to turn out to be fun most likely. But what does that say about next year? Does that mean, does it change anything? Do, do we now say, okay, he, we've had him for uh, healthy for a year. Now we can send him back out there. I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't get it. I don't, I don't know how it changes anything. Uh, all very good points. I won't pretend I know exactly what they're thinking. Uh, what I've gathered uh, is that t- is two things are going on. And I, I might might be wrong. <clears throat> this is this is my best distillation of what I have been told, uh, kind of behind the scenes. And it might not. I can't say it's hundred percent accurate. It's just what it's my best guess at the moment. And that is, a Buxton uh, feels enough discomfort in his knee that he doesn't want to stand in the outfield for three hours a day. It uh, messes with him. And B, um, he has gotten to the point now after hating the idea of DHing in spring training, he's gotten comfortable with the idea of DHing and being available to his team more often. And so he's, so we don't have Buxton pushing to get on the field. We have Buxton saying, this is actually okay with me. And the twins are trying to figure out exactly. Okay. If it's okay with him and we're keeping him healthy and he's on the field and he's producing, you know, when do we push it as an organization? And I think there's so, so my that's my best guess at the moment where everything is, and I don't know how things develop from here. I think, yeah, I mean, I I, I think that that that's the the most reasonable thing that I've heard, and and um, I, I think that makes a lot of sense. If if Buck's knee is still not perfect, if he if he's got any any qualms at all about going out there in the outfield because of his knee, then okay, that answers my question about. Uh, he gets through this season. He comes in the spring training next year, and he is feeling like he's mentally a hundred percent in in terms of how he feels about his knee. And it is it's less about his knee being a hundred percent as it is. I want to I want to be in there helping my team, and I my my knee doesn't feel that well. I'm afraid to hurt it, and you know if I go out there and play center. Okay, makes total sense because now next year, I mean, if this goes happened to my point earlier, if this scenario happens all year this year then my question of well what changes next year well what changes is buck's mental outlook about his knee but at some point in time so that's you know okay i get it that makes some sense but at some point in time with the you know contract that he signed i mean he signed a contract 
the numbers of which compel him to be the offensive and defensive player that he can be. And he did not sign a DH contract. So right. if I'm Twins, <laughs> I don't know when, to your point, I don't know when that they start pushing it, when it, when it changes, but it's got to be sometime. I agree with you completely. Uh, one last note today. Once again, thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, thanks to the Aquarius Home Services. Thanks to All Energy Solar and First Minnetonka City Bank, where you're locally owned community bank. Thanks also to Grain Belt, which is sponsoring live shows uh, for Chin Music around the downtown area, uh, usually before home Twins games. We'll let you know when the next live show gets scheduled. We had a blast at O'Donovan's uh, a couple of weeks ago with Lavelle and uh, Dermot and everybody else. Uh, last note, sad note, George Frazier uh, passes away. I knew George a little bit in the early 90s. Obviously, you knew him much better than I did. Oh, gosh. I, I, George and I were teammates, two separate uh, stints together. Uh, when I got traded to the Yankees, George was there. Uh, we lived very close to each other. We'd ride to the ballpark uh, together occasionally. Um, terrific guy. Just a, just, just a, a, you know, what you see is what you get with George. He was just a, just a really good Oklahoma, Oklahoma dude. And, and um, then when I came back to the twins and the twins uh, ultimately George came, uh, George came too. And we were, we were together again, uh, you know, on that 87 team, um, which brought, so many of us, so many of us that were very close, even closer together, obviously going through that. So it, it's a, it was a big blow um, to hear about, to hear about George. And I, I'm just, it's, it's sad. It's a, I'm, I'm sad about that. And as are, you know, as is anybody that, you know, that knew George well. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing that. I appreciate it. Our condolences to everyone who knew George. Uh, hey, listen, thank you all for listening. We do appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Chin Music.